my friend, you have found the Functioning Hot Mess Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Murray, life coach and author. I started this show to share life lessons and hot mess moments along with a few shenanigans to let you know you're not alone in this roller coaster of life. Each week, you'll get a solo episode or an interview to help you improve your self-confidence, create healthy relationships, or become a better parent. If you love what you hear, hit subscribe and I'll automatically show up in your downloads each and every week. All right, let's get on with the show. All right, you guys, hang on to your seats because I really think you're going to be blown away by this conversation that I'm sharing with you today. I have a special guest, Gloria Bettini, who is a relationship and self-love coach. And it's not just any relationship specifically toxic relationships and narcissistic abuse. So this conversation I know is going to appeal to so many of you and people you know. So make sure you share this with people, especially if it resonates with you, help them understand what you're going through, and then maybe help inspire someone who might be going through this as well. So Gloria helps women find their emotional and mental freedom after a toxic relationship, and she teaches them to put themselves first without guilt so that we can inspire others to stand up for ourselves. So that sounds like so many women, whether you've been in a toxic relationship or not, this information is going to be helpful to you, but specifically people who have been through narcissistic abuse. This is filled with nuggets of wisdom and great information, insights. I really think you're going to love this episode with Gloria. And like she says at the very end, she is a woman on a mission. She wants to help others find themselves, to find their essence again, to find that person that's deep inside that's been lost through this jumble of unhealth and unhealthy relationships. So tune into this. And as always, please make sure you share it, leave us a review. And at the end, I will make sure and give you information on how you can connect with Gloria, because I think you're really going to love her and be able to follow her on Instagram, sign up for her free stuff, all the good stuff. So with that, let's jump into this conversation. Well, Gloria, I want to welcome you to the Functioning Hot Mess podcast. I'm so excited that you're here, and I'm excited for this topic because toxic relationships, narcissistic abuse is huge. I know my listeners can relate to this and that they're going to be so excited to hear what you have to say. So you are a relationship and self-love coach. Tell us a little bit about how you got here. Yes, absolutely. So first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's it's really a pleasure and an honor as well. And uh, how did I how did I start? How did I get myself here? I uh, I experienced it. Um, that really started with with my experience. Um, I experienced a toxic relationship for about fifteen years, and it was in those fifteen years were really really crucial years of my life because it was between the age of eighteen and thirty two. So it's kind of formative years you know it's the years where you're supposed to understand what it is to become a woman in a way right who you're going to be as an adult yeah. um and uh, and I was in in a in a very toxic relationship and I didn't know that I was in a toxic relationship for a very long time and when I opened my eyes to it um I was uh, it was not easy Uh, You know, I I had to go completely survival mode and uh, I had to just uh, do whatever it was that I had to do, fake it, you know, sometimes in terms of I just need to just make sure that I am fine, you know. The relationship wasn't uh, physically violent at all, but it was very emotionally and mentally uh, abusive. Um, so I just had to make sure that I was okay. So I kept working with my life coach. Originally, actually, I went to see my life coach because I had huge um, uh, problems with anxiety and I had severe OCD. So that was my, I didn't even know, I didn't even realize I was in a toxic relationship. That was the reason why I asked for help because I was overcome with OCD, didn't know what to do, couldn't handle it anymore. And I was like, I need to get help. So that's why I got to, to, to asking for help. And then a year down the line, 
um, once I have worked on my OCD and I have not completely, like it wasn't completely all gone after a year. It took me longer than that, but a year was enough to give me clarity. You know, half of my OCDs were gone and the half of the brain that was occupied with those OCDs now was free. So I could mm -hmm. actually, you know, open my eyes to what was going on. And when I realized that it was going on, I was not ready to leave at mm. all. Literally, I was not ready. And um, I decided to just see uh, what it was. I was very confused. You know, I was very much in love or thought that I was, you know, it was it was very, a very confusing time. So I literally gave myself the time to just grow myself, you know, look after myself and, and take time for me and understanding things and, and focusing on what I like um, and nurturing that side of me. And by doing that, I believe I made myself stronger and I made myself yeah. more and more ready to actually walk out until I was. And that took about, from the moment I realized, I think there wasn't actually a, a, a very like specific moment, but I think it was about nine months of me, like, you know, taking time for me and, and reflecting and really being nurturing and kind to myself so that I grew stronger until I was able to leave. Yeah. So I absolutely love this conversation because I feel like you are, you are bringing home all of the important parts because <laughs> when we're in toxic relationships or unhealthy relationships, whatever they look like, a lot of times we think that that other person needs to change. And I'm not going to say they don't, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but we can't control that. We can't decide that for them. And a lot of times we sit and wait. So we stay in these unhealthy relationships waiting for that person to have their big aha moment. And in reality, we need to be the ones doing that. Yeah. That is spot on. <laughs> yes. So I have a question. As you were talking about the OCD and how you kind of went to get help for that, did you have that always growing up or did that come as a result of being in a toxic relationship? Um, so no, I did not always have that. No. Um, when I realized that I had it, um, I thought or, or I linked it to my high pressure job. I worked mm. in the events industry here in London for 10 years, which was, which is high pressure. It's really high yeah. paced, very demanding industry and all that. Um, and I thought that's what it was. Uh, but then when I, and I think this is one of the things that actually made me realize that the relationship I was in was toxic because when I was working on my OCD, the person that I was with was telling me you've got to stop doing those things because you're crazy mm. because they make you look like you're crazy you know what I mean mm -hmm. so then I thought oh hang on a minute uh -uh. this isn't good and yeah. at the beginning I thought that was that, that all those anxieties were linked to the job but then as I worked on them as, and as I observed my partner's behaviors and interactions with me when I got the healthier I got then I realized, hang on a second, I would never, yes, I have a, I have a high pressure job. Indeed, that can be stressful. Mm -hmm. But developing OCD is a different story. Developing OCD is something that it's, it's engraved in your daily life. It comes mm -hmm. from like deep, deep things, you know, mm -hmm. deep roots. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I believe that, that being in a, in a, in an emotionally uh, abusive relationship had everything to do with that everything to do especially because OCD is about control mm -hmm. you know it is about it, it you want to have control over something even if you are completely conscious of the fact that what you're doing is not rational for the mm -hmm. people who don't know OCD is is um um obsessive compulsive disorder so you feel like you are you have the compulsion the obsessive compulsion to perform let's say those rituals and uh, throughout your day, just to calm yourself down and to feel in control, because if you don't do them, you have the feeling that something bad is going to happen. And this could mean check the door, you know, three, four times and then go back and then get up again and check the water and then go down and then get back. You know, and those mm -hmm. things. I These are just small examples, but at the level I got, I it would take me I would be ready in the morning to go out to go to work. 
and it would take me 40 minutes because I before I could actually leave the house. Wow. Because I had all those things to make sure that we're in place mm-hmm. um, because otherwise I felt that something bad was going to happen. This, this is you wanting to keep control when you are in a situation where you don't have control. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I was in, in year for years, I was in this years before I developed OCD. I was in a, in, 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 I was still in that same toxic relationship. So I believe that that has taken slowly away this control that I have over my, I had over myself. And that's the reason why I developed it. I don't, yes, I believe that I had a stressful job, but that was not the cause of OCD for sure. Yeah. So I love what you just said about how it was over time, because a lot of times we kind of on the outside looking in, we seem, it seems like it's drastic, like it's obvious and that everyone should be able to see. But when we're in that relationship, it's small. It's like, it's like getting into a hot tub and the temperature slowly getting turned up. You know, it, you don't jump in when it's too hot. You are, you get in when it's comfortable and then it slowly, you know, the temperature cranks up. So what was that like? How did you recognize that was going on? What did that look like for you? When it comes to narcissistic abuse, which is what I experienced, mm-hmm. um, it's a very precise cycle that the narcissist takes you through. And I should also add that I experienced a lot of bullying when I was growing up. So the first, the first stage of the narcissistic cycle is called love bombing which is the face where they completely idolize you. You are Mm. heaven. You are the person that they've been looking for their whole life, you know? Mm -hmm. And for a person that had very low self-esteem to begin with, she was bullied. I was bullied when I I, um, was growing up. For me to hear those things and to feel like I was accepted, I was super happy. You know, it was everything that I ever wanted to hear. But then what happens is, and, and the love bombing phase, you know, there's never, there's never a um, set time for those phases, you know, within the narcissistic cycle. Mm-hmm. And they can last years. You can have love bombing. And I believe I had the love bombing phase for at least a couple of years, if not mm-hmm. more. And then what happens is the, the devaluation uh, stage comes in. And that's when they start being a little bit um what what he did with me was having those mean jokes you know it was being like you know the the the, i'm joking but actually i'm joking about something that is hurtful for you Mm -hmm. so that's no longer a joke right Right, because it's intentional they're meaning it to hurt your feelings but then they turn it into a joke so that you can't If you respond or react to it, then it's, oh, you just got to learn how to take a joke. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. So there was a lot of that. Um, and then also there was a lot of, um, you know, you're being overdramatic. Mm. You know, there was a lot of, of me trying to explain how I felt and, oh, but come on. No, you know, it's because this happened to you that you are like this. Mm-hmm. What that is, uh, a lot of that is gaslighting. Yes. When they distort the reality for you, right? So you're there trying to explain, like, this is how I feel. And they're like, no, 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 no. Hang on a minute. Uh, let me tell you how, let me, let me tell you how uh-huh. you are feeling, right? Let me tell uh-huh. you what is happening over here. And and obviously, if you and I are having this conversation, you know, completely healthy and, and have done our, our inner work and everything, we're like, how can you not tell that that's happening? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the middle of it, you are in love. You are with somebody that for a period of time has showed you loyalty, has showed you admiration, has showed you, you know, has given you all the reasons to think that they're genuine. Mm -hmm. right so you believe them Mm -hmm. you are in love you come from a from a good place you're good-hearted you come from a good place of genuine loving the person so you believe what they say because you trust them even if that manipulates you and and also your brain our brain learns by repetition it's like going to the gym right you you do sit-ups 
every day, you're going to come out with a six pack eventually, right? right. So if you do the right, right things, so the, right? So right. it's the same thing. So the more they repeat those things to you every single day, the more they have those behaviors, the more gaslighting, the more manipulation, the more it's, it's changing the way that you think, mm-hmm. you know, to the point that you're like, yes, of course, I'm the problem. Yeah. The problem is with me. You know, you're mm-hmm. right. I am actually overdramatic. You know, I actually, I have anxiety. So yeah, you're right. It's me. It's just my anxiety. Yeah. It's and there's not. like just enough truth in what they're saying to hit on your own negative self-belief, your own insecurity. Yeah. And so because it's like there's that little teeny piece, you you latch onto it and you say, oh, yeah, they've got to be right because I do feel that way anyway. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Exactly. And this is this is crucial because what a narcissist does at the beginning in the love bombing phase, the phase they um, are getting to know you, they are getting you to open up and to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. because you don't know that in the next phase they're gonna use those vulnerabilities that you share, that mm-hmm. you shared with them, they're gonna use them against you, mm-hmm. and then comes the discard. The discard is when they completely you're you're now you're now non-existent you're now no, no more. Mm-hmm. And for me, even if he didn't leave the relationship, I was the one who left. Um, I still have experienced the discard in a way that um, I I felt like he didn't care. Like he we were in a marriage, but we didn't sleep in the same bed for years, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. we didn't, you know, so, so that, that was the discard that was past the evaluation that was mm-hmm. complete discard being like, you know, uh, this is what I'm doing. You do whatever you want. And I spent years in a marriage by myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious after the discard happened, did that create a sense of, I guess, urgency in you or like that feeling like, you were trying so hard to fix that and to be brought back in and no longer discarded because I could see for myself, I think I would have like really kind of almost desperation level of trying to get back in, trying to get in good graces, over pleasing, over, you know, doing everything just to try Mm -hmm. to get that acceptance back. Was that something that you experienced? Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yes, I I got to a point where I wanted to feel the same way. I wanted to have the relationship that we had at the mm-hmm. beginning. So mm-hmm. I was yes, whatever it is that I have to do, you know. And I was also uh, I'm, I'm an empath, so mm-hmm. so if somebody is not feeling right, I I I feel it. If there are any empaths connected, or if you are one as well, you know very well what I'm talking about. You know 100%. And what you want to do is when you feel that this person is suffering, when they're suffering and there's trouble there, you want to help them. Mm-hmm. So obviously somebody who who is a who is a narcissist behind a narcissist, there's great suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't perceive it as that. But you, you do, because you're like, oh, my goodness, what happened to you? Like, I want to help you, you know, and I Mm -hmm. could see as well, like his family behaviors and stuff that how they could have influenced him in that. So I was really like, you know, I know that you're like this because of what you experienced. But like, I want to help, you know, I want to do this together. I want to be a team. But there was obviously no interest in that. Um, So, yes, I did. I did definitely uh, try everything. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I tried everything, and I, I um, uh, I even asked, you know, shall we go to therapy together? He told me, no, go on your own. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if you are with a narcissist, anybody who's listening, if you are with a narcissist and you're trying to do something to save the relationship, and they tell you go to therapy on your own, please go, go. Mm-hmm. It is the best thing <laughs> that you can do for yours. If they don't want to come, leave them out. <laughs> Just go. Yes. <laughs> Because it is a game changer, everybody. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. And I think that, um, you know, we almost feel like by us going to therapy, it validates everything that they're saying, you know, so we kind of think, well, yeah, I need to go to therapy because 
I'm not right. I need changed. I'm going crazy. I whatever. And it's information that they have placed on our shoulders, but it is in therapy where we're going to actually learn that we're good. Mm -hmm. We are good people. We have positive qualities and really kind of help start on that journey of learning yourself again and kind of digging out of that hole. Yeah, absolutely. I, I should presi- I should specify though that I uh, I did um, life. Co- I did coaching. I didn't do therapy. I found mm-hmm. I did actually do therapy in the past. Mm-hmm. I didn't find that modality working for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was uh, going through OCD, when I when I looked for help, um, I went to a life coach who was specializing in anxiety. Yeah. Um, and that was a complete game changer. That is why I decided to become a coach because I really believe in the coaching practice that it's such a game changer. So that's mm-hmm. what I did in terms of healing from that. From that, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's really important because number one, the key point of this is reach out for help, whether it's through therapy yeah. or through coaching, and they both have a very specific purpose and function. But rather than get into that too much, I want to stick a little bit with the toxic relationships because one of the things that you brought up really kind of resonated with me, and I think it will with the listeners as well. And that is when we're in that place where we feel like we want and have the responsibility to fix this person. Mm-hmm. What do we do with that? What do you talk to people about who have that desire or belief that he's fixable, it's my responsibility or my duty to fix him? Like, What words would you share with them? You don't have responsibility over anybody other than yourself. Mm. You Nobody's your responsibility unless you have a child. That's a right. different story. Right. Unless you have a, you're you're caring for a minor, that's a different story. But no other person on this planet is your responsibility other than yourself. Mm-hmm. And you cannot change anyone. Mm-hmm. It is not. First of all, if we're talking about, uh, there's two levels here. So it is not fair to wanting to change another person because right. everyone has their own essence everybody is their own person so even if they were super healthy or you know whatever situation that is it is not fair to wanting to change another person but if you find that the person that you are dealing with is unhealthy or has unhealthy patterns you can only suggest the help like of course you're going to want to help them and please do offer the help always but within you, there has to be that acceptance that, you know, I am I am putting it out there, but whether they pick it up, whether they accept it or not, it's not going to be my responsibility. I am doing the right thing by me because I am the kind of person who wants to help, of course. So I'm doing that, especially also if you're in a relationship, because, you know, I want to I want to make the relationship work. So I want to mm-hmm. offer my help. But Mm -hmm. if the other person doesn't take the help, then you have another decision to make. Mm -hmm. You know, if the other person doesn't want the help, if the other person doesn't, you know, if the other person doesn't want the help and you're in a relationship with them, then ask yourself what that means for the relationship and what that means for you. And in what kind of relationship do you want to be? Yeah, because a lot of times I think we forget that. We keep thinking, oh, it'll get better. Things will be okay. But if someone doesn't want the help and they're not interested in making an unhealthy relationship for you healthy, because it may be fine for them, but just because it's okay for them doesn't mean it has to be okay for you. And so sometimes it's recognizing that, you know, it's okay to allow them to be them. And to recognize that it's okay for you to want something else as well, something different. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And never feel guilty for wanting something different. Yeah. So I'm wondering for our listeners who, you know, maybe they're not in a relationship or they're in a new relationship and they start to see little red flags or little yellow flags, what do those look like and what do they do about them? Yes. So if you are in a new relationship, um the red flags could be for example the too much too soon you mm-hmm. know uh, when mm-hmm. i was talking at the beginning about the love bombing 
the love bombing is going absolutely like, you know, you are idolized, you are everything, which is there's, you know, everybody's does has a honeymoon face in a new relationship and that is perfectly fine. But the red flags and the red flag, it's when it goes further than that. So if you have been dating for two weeks or, you know, and the person says we should get married, mm-hmm. perhaps consider a few things you know mm-hmm. it, it is beautiful you know when somebody says i want to marry you it's amazing yeah it's a great feeling i mean if you love the person and everything it's it's indeed is beautiful but when is that question coming you know um mm-hmm. it, the moving in as well and this mm-hmm. is obviously not uh, all the time but it is a very common red flag in in your relationship um another red flag is uh what I was saying earlier about those um, jokes that are not jokes, you know, mm-hmm. um, so if something is a joke, um, it shouldn't, it shouldn't make you feel bad about it. If something is making you feel bad and the person is brushing it off saying, oh, it's just a joke. Mm-hmm. No, be be very careful there. Because be it's okay careful. to say that that's not funny, you know, and I think that's one thing to recognize the difference in unhealthy and healthy relationships in that situation, because maybe even in a healthy relationship, you do have a joke that comes up between the two of you and it ends up being something that is actually hurtful. In a healthy relationship, yeah. you can bring that to attention and say that actually hurts my feelings. And they don't want to hurt your feelings. So even if they do, did honestly, sincerely mean it as a joke. By you saying something along the lines of, you know, that really does hurt my feelings. I'd appreciate it if you don't say that type of stuff anymore. Even if at first they're like, oh, come on, take a joke. Ultimately, they're going to recognize that if this person that I love, if that's hurting them, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to hurt them. And so we forget what the healthy looks like. And then when we get the unhealthy jokes and then it gets put on our shoulders and they continue to do it, that's proof that they really don't care, you know, because, and it is okay to say, how would I love someone if, if I was making jokes that hurt my partner and they brought it to my attention, I would absolutely drop those jokes in a heartbeat. And it's okay to expect and receive the same treatment. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, 100%. You know, it's uh, uh, the thing with the, with narcissists is the complete lack of empathy, mm-hmm. right? So if when you are saying this particular thing is hurting me or I feel confused about this situation that just happened and they don't respond with empathy saying oh my goodness let's sit down talk about it that's not what I meant Mm -hmm. I am sorry that I hurt you that's that's a response with empathy right caring about the other person but if they start trying to distort it you know these are all red flags trying to distort Mm -hmm. trying to make excuses you know never ever accepting responsibility for what they said denying what they've done you know, a lot of the mm-hmm. times they denied. I mean, just to give you an example to the, the extent that, that this goes to, I was sent a text message um, by my uh, ex-husband shortly after I left. And it was a shocking text message because it said, I knew everything that I was doing to you. And I knew what, what your, yeah. He said, I knew what your breaking points were. Yeah, I knew what your breaking points were. I knew that if I would get you to feel enough anxiety, you would completely drop and I would win. Whatever, what he was winning, I don't know, but that's that feeling that they need, right? That is that Mm -hmm. supply, that satisfaction that they need. Anyway, so I get this text and I was like, okay, I was already out. And and so I, you know, I was, yes, I knew that that was, it didn't shock me that much. I just felt like, yes, of course, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I, by now, by that time, I already knew who I was dealing with. But anyway, uh, a couple of days later, uh, we have a conversation over the phone and 
start arguing about something. And I had to, it was I had to go back to the house, pick up some stuff, and we started arguing. And anyway, I said to him, "Why are you arguing?" I said, "We've you've literally sent me a text message where you said that you did that you knew everything that you were doing. What is the point of arguing?" And his answer was, "I didn't mm-hmm. send any text." And I am there uh. on the phone with the text message there. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, so mm-hmm. this denying the evidence at all costs, you know, that's a massive, massive mm-hmm. red flag. You know, they're very, uh, you know, secretive. There's a lot of lying, a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. you know, now thinking back, you know, how many times I saw things and I, my intuition was there being like, you want to check on that you know (laughs) and I didn't Mm. you know how many things I must have missed yeah a lot yeah well and I think that's the key too because hindsight is always so easy you know when we look back over those relationships and we see all of those little intuitive moments that we had where Mm -hmm. our intuition was saying that's not okay and we kind of brush them to the side and ignore them but yet when we're in that moment, it's important to know that that intuition is correct. You don't have to question that. There's something, if something feels wrong, something is wrong. And I think that's what's so tricky with a narcissist because you may know something's wrong. Everything in your being is telling you that's not right. Or you have the physical text message right there to prove it. Mm -hmm. And they're still refusing to take any ownership or even admit to even slightly being wrong or doing something. And then instead they'll turn around and try to make you seem crazy, you know? And so you start to question that intuition. And my thoughts would be just don't, don't let that, you know, even if you can't, especially people who are currently in that relationship, even if you can't outwardly have that argument or have that discussion, know in your heart that your intuition told you that you're right, it's right. And make decisions based on, from that place. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's not easy. You know, it is definitely not easy when it is a very lonely place to be mm-hmm. when your intuition is saying something and your outside world is saying something else. That's a yeah. very hard place to be because especially if you're like evidence-based, like you need evidence yeah. in front of your eyes, you know, especially. So for example, you say, or oh, I'm not going to leave him. You you perhaps have the feeling that things are wrong, but you say, I know he is faithful. I know he hasn't cheated on me. Mm-hmm. And it, you are convinced that you need the proof that he cheated on you in order for you to leave, right? Mm-hmm. But your intuition is already saying this person is not right for you. Mm-hmm. But still, you need the proof from the outside world. So it's a very hard place to be, you know, to trust yourself. So mm-hmm. it's very important. Definitely the intuition is 100% never wrong. But um, there's one thing that I like to say um, always to, to everyone that I talk to. This is the reason why narcissistic abuse is so, 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 so dangerous. Because it's literally mental and emotional manipulation. To the point that they make you doubt the very essence of who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, each and every one of you has a light inside of us. That sparkle, that person that we are, you know, our essence. A narcissist wants you to get rid of that. Wants you to just be a supply. For a narcissist in, is never about the person, is always about the feeling they get. So, you know, the, the admiration or the attention, whatever it is that they're getting. So they never see you as you. So it's super dangerous because every single person that I work with, or, or not even the ones that I work with, even the people that I just chat to, all of them experience this extreme loss of identity. Because yes. they come out of this relationship, they're like, I don't know anything anymore about myself. Who am I? What has just happened to me? And it doesn't matter whether it was a relationship of three months, a year, 10 years, or 15 or 25 years. 
it's always about the loss of identity because it's such a deep, deep, deep manipulation that it takes the essence away from you. Mm-hmm. And if, if whilst you can still see that sparkle, you know, hear that voice, just do whatever you can to anchor to that and to just say, no, this is me. This is the person that I am. I am not letting this go. This is my person. This is me. You know, if I, if I told you, any, if I told anyone who is experiencing narcissistic abuse, what if that happened to your child? What if that happened to your best friend? That you literally saw somebody from the outside that are slowly, slowly, slowly taking their essence away. What would you do? You will probably go and just take them away and try to, you know, try to to say something to them in order to come on. Just look at this. Look at what what ha- what is happening. So why wouldn't you do that for yourself? Well, I think that's an important key as well because we have a lot of people in our world who do see what's going on with us and. It's difficult because I know for me, had someone on the outside pointed that out to me, I don't know that I would have recognized it. I think I would have kind of um, pushed them away or thought they were overreacting or they just don't understand. They just don't get it. So how do you, how do you help people recognize that they're in that relationship? How do they know that it's bad? Well, how do I help people recognize is by doing this is by talking about it. Um, you know, I, I do interviews. I talk about it on my social media. This is what I talk about. I talk about how to recognize toxic relationships, what to do in very different situations, how to prioritize yourself, how to get the guilt to go away, all these sort of things. This is the conversation I am having every single day because the first thing that you need is the awareness that there's a problem because you are perfectly right. My mom came to me six months after I was dating this guy and told me he's not for you. And I left 15 years later, (laughs) right? Yeah. (laughs) Because I, you know, and because I said, oh, it's my mom, you know, and my mom was a little obsessive as well when I was growing up. So I was like, oh, she's just trying to you know, control what I do and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then obviously what, what did I do? I opened up to him and I said, oh, you know, my mom, she's giving me trouble because she doesn't think you're right for me. And that's when it started. He started being like, oh, your mom's horrible. You see your mom never wants the good for you. So they turn other people against you. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, it's so intricate for them. It's such a, it's literally a chess game for them. You know, the the tactics and the manipulation. It's just like, honestly. And so, when you think about even the word manipulation, because we've used it several times, and I had this really cool picture of what that looks like come into my mind. So I'm going to share mm-hmm. it here. But when you think about the word manipulation, I think we have this belief that we know what it looks like. But when you think about an artist who is maybe shaping some clay, they're manipulating that clay and they take it from that rectangle or that square or whatever shape it starts in and they completely change it. They manipulate it. They create it and use, make something completely different out of it. They reshape it. It becomes something completely unrecognizable. And I think that's important to pull out here because that's exactly what's happening. And just like an artist, it takes a minute. It's not done overnight. It's done with skill and practice. And that's exactly what's happening here in the same, in this context. And over time, like you said, you become someone that you don't even recognize, that you don't even know where to start to find yourself again. So what do you do if, say, I just realize I'm in a relationship with a narcissist? What do I do? Yes. Uh, so first of all, thank you so much for that example, because it was amazing. And that is exactly the image of it. So uh, thank you for that. Yes. Um, so if you if you suspect that you might be in a relationship with a narcissist, um, start informing, start informing yourself, start reading, start researching a little bit. And and there's there's loads of resources online and and there's uh, many people like myself who talk about it online 
So definitely start researching to see um, if you recognize more and more and more behaviors. Then there are other things um, that you can do. So if you feel like it's the best thing, the absolute best thing to do is to go completely no contact straight away. So the moment you find out, walk out the door and completely delete them from your life, block them everywhere. And there are reasons for this, um, for, for why to go no contact and everything, but block them everywhere, move, just get them out of your life ASAP. Okay, so this is the, the, the super amazing thing that you can do at the beginning. However, you might not be in a stage where that's possible. Okay, mm -hmm. you might be, I mean, look at me, it took me nine months. You know, I was not ready to go live on my own. I was not, I didn't have the emotional capacity to do that. You know, I didn't know what my identity was, nothing, none of that. So what you what I did, you can do something like I did, which is preparing yourself to leave. And this can be done very consciously saying, I am giving myself X amount of time to, um, you know, uh, heal myself or start my healing. And, um, and then in, I don't know, six months at that date, that's the date I'm going to leave and just leave and just do it that way. Or it can be, I didn't do it in a very conscious way because it was all a process for me. What I did was I started carving time for myself. I started doing, going back to the things that I loved to do before I was in this relationship. And it, it, would, it had been a very long time for me. So I had gone back to things that I used to do as a teenager. I loved to read, for example. I loved, I read a ton of books when I was a teenager. And uh, I, I had stopped reading for a very long time, for years. So I started buying books again and uh, I had an hour commute on the bus because I worked in central London and I lived in North London. So I had, it would take me an hour on the bus and that hour, every single morning, even though the bus was full London traffic, whatever, you know, I was just in my space. That was my sacred, you know, moment, that hour for myself for reading and and then you see the universe helps you out. All of the books that I was reading, <laughs> I was reading, were about mental and emotional health. Even though they were novels, they weren't self-development books. They were all stories, but all the stories were about people that were struggling with some sort of like, mm -hmm. you know, abuse or, or emotional challenge or something like that. And I really recognized myself in those characters, and that was uh, that was so beautiful for me because it gave me so much strength. I cannot remember. I read so, so many books, um, you know, in, in that short amount of time. Um, but that was the one thing I did. So definitely start carving this time out. For, and then obviously I had my sessions with my coach. That was obviously my, you know, I kept going with that. Um, and then and then you'll see that you'll get more confident and more confident and more confident until you get to the point where you're like, OK, I think I'm ready now. And then you just have the last step to do. And the last step is to leave and yeah. cut off all communication. Yes, if you can, yes. If you can cut off commun all communications, yes, do it. Um, I couldn't because I was married to the person. So yeah. I kept the communication out, but I moved out within three days. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important to, to touch on because I agree with you 100%. In my mind and when I'm talking to people, I'm like, cut it off, cold turkey, like, Erase, 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 so they can't reach yeah. out to you. But there are times where maybe they have kids together or they're married, like you were saying, where that may not be as possible. What are your thoughts on on that? Because I can see so many people where that narcissist continues to play the games, continues to suck them in. And, you know, from outside, it's like, okay, I understand that you can't completely cut them off because you have children with them. But you can set boundaries around that communication. What do you? What words do you have to offer for that? Absolutely, there is one uh, technique um, actually that is called going gray rock, and it's it's very is used very often by you know parents who, who have to co-parent with a narcissist, 
or people like me that I was married to the person. So I still had to be in contact with them for a very long time before we were actually completely divorced. Um, so going grey rock means um, completely uh, not entertaining any sort of behavior from them. So they text, don't reply, unless it's something that, you know, needs, needs, requires an answer. But don't yeah. show any emotion. Don't show that what they just said to you has hurt. Because it will, for sure, because they are going to say horrible things. I mean, one day I was, you know, he was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I, I did this. I threw it all in the, you know, in the bin. It's completely my fault. And the other day I was, you know, you're a horrible person. Why did you do this? You ruined my life. So there's going to be a lot of this going on. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. completely detach yourself, you know, be, be a gray rock. So if you were talking to a gray rock, what would you see? A gray rock. No emotions nothing no movement no no entertainment no entertaining those behaviors and those thoughts just be keep things to a very bare minimum and that is what usually happens when you must have communications with them this is the best way of, of having that communication yeah i love that because i feel like in the beginning it's really hard to be that gray rock because you're wanting to fight back defend respond in some way and you have like that internal call or need to do so. And so at first that's much more difficult, but over time, the more you practice that, the more that becomes your reality where you don't care that they're saying all these horrible things. I remember my own mindset when one day I realized that, you know, he wasn't nice to me when we were married. Why is he going to be nice to me now that we're divorced? And it really changed for me because I guess in a way I was expecting him to be nice now that we were divorced. And so to be able to not have that expectation and I don't know, it was really freeing for me because then those little comments that would come in, the jabs about my parenting, all those mean, nasty little comments, I was like, eh, whatever, because it doesn't matter anyway. He doesn't, you know, Mm -hmm. it just really, you know, it, those continued to come in until like you said, I quit responding because once I didn't care, and I was like, whatever, think what you want, say what you want. I'm not even going to give you the time of day to answer. Those quit coming in. At first they continued and they kind of upped it because it was like, wait, I've got to find something that's going to get under her skin. But when nothing did, it quit. Mm-hmm. It completely went away. It was like, I'm no longer yeah. fair sport. I'm not game yeah. anymore. So I'll go find someone else or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Because remember that what they want is a supply. So if you cut it off... They're going to try and get it for a while. But when they see that they can't get it anymore, they're like, okay, I'm going to find someone else. You yeah. Know? And they might come back again for, after years and years. But then mm-hmm. by that point, you're, you would have completely forgotten. And you'll be like, yeah, yeah. no, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not interested. And then you're still. like, yep. Yeah. You're like, you don't even matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah. you said that you work with people who are in toxic relationships, this kind of stuff. How do you work with people? What does that look like? Yeah, so um, I work with people who are either in toxic relationships and they are preparing themselves to leave. So they need to build up that confidence and that self-love in order to be able to put themselves in that position. Or I work with people who have been in toxic relationships and the aftermath of being in a toxic relationship, we've mentioned, is a complete loss of identity. You know, so it's about rebuilding that identity. It's about getting to know yourself again. There are techniques and everything. So I'm a coach. So I use coaching techniques. I use elements of NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, which is very, uh, very, very powerful uh, techniques that literally reprogram your subconscious. Um, and that's where that's where the stuff happens, because, you know, 95 percent of your life is run by your subconscious. So you're only aware of 5% of the stuff that you do, you see, that you experience, everything else is all underneath. So, so yes, I use elements of NLP as well. Um, yeah, so I, I use I use different things. But then, especially when, when I work with someone one-to-one, um, it's a very personal journey. So it really is tailored to the person. There is definitely no one-size-fits-all. You know, the... 
it, it depends what you have experienced, what kind of you person you are, at what stage you are, you know, what kind of risks do you want to take risks in terms of how much do you want to put yourself out there in terms of your personal development, right? Uh, how much are you willing to feel uncomfortable? You know, and some people do baby steps and some people are just like, yes, just give me the whole discomfort. I want to do it now. I want to be done and leave it behind. So it's very different yeah. for, for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because over time at first, when I was going through all of this, even before I left and even shortly after, I would have been really uncomfortable getting uncomfortable. That was mm-hmm. That was a tough place for me to be. And now I'm in a place where I don't necessarily welcome and enjoy the discomfort, but it doesn't stop me anymore. So it's funny because I could see how every individual, like you said, every person is in their own place, respective of their own journey and how that's just so individualized. And and even in different areas, like I feel like in some ways I'm a hundred percent risk taker. And then in other ways, I'm like, oh. I don't want to go there. That's too risky. So yeah, that's got to be like a really incredible journey to go through that coaching experience. It's amazing. Yes, it's really, it really is amazing. And the, the aftermath of these kind of relationships can affect you in so many ways. You know, Mm -hmm. there's um, you know, there's people that develop, you know, narcissistic, a, a lot of the narcissistic abuse is based on control, right? And, and mm-hmm. there's different levels of control. But for a lot of people that develops in social anxiety, meaning that you are so used to being controlled and, you know, they want to control everywhere that you go and every what, everything that you do. Where are you going? How many steps is that? You know, are you going outside the house? Are you going to what, which route are you taking? You know, these kind of stuff that for some people coming out of this is liberating for some people it's completely alienating because they're like I do not know what to do now that I don't have anybody controlling me how do I deal with this so I have you know worked with people for whom is a real struggle leaving the house even and you know and when and when you get to in this kind of journey that you see them flourishing and actually wanting to now go out and wanting to do things and wanting to to see things, you know, even in, in lockdown, you know, there's a little bit of a, mm-hmm. of a you, you can still experience that. So it's very, very transformative, you know, people that, uh, you know, have, have, I mean, such, such amazing transformations, people that are different ages as well, you know, you would think that, you know, sometimes you might think that, oh, you, you can change your life if you are, you know, in your thirties, no way, no way, absolutely no way. You know, I've Mm -hmm. worked with people who are over 60 and they've realized that they had a lifetime of this starting from their parents and then in relationships, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing to witness. So powerful. Well, and I think, so I went through this process without a coach and now looking Mm -hmm. back, I wish I would have had a coach with me to give me these ideas, these tools and help me kind of find my path. Because like you just mentioned, I remember I was away on business by myself out of my relationship and I'm sitting down to eat at a restaurant and I'm alone. And I was like, I didn't know what to order. And I felt like whatever I chose was going to be the wrong thing. And I remember in that moment, like it was like a mental slap where I'm like, you can't choose wrong. You're the only one here. Like, what are you thinking? But it was a definite realization to me that I could use a little help with this. This was something that I started to practice for myself. And I just think how incredibly beneficial that would be for a coach to help you through that and kind of give you ideas, tools, challenges to do. Because this is... I feel like, you know, being in a narcissistic relationship or someone in a relationship with a narcissist, it can affect you in so many ways, like you just mentioned, but it doesn't mean it's a life sentence. Like you can overcome this and you can work past it and learn all the good things about yourself and even have a a healthy relationship in the future. But it can be done so much more quickly when you work with someone like you who gets it, who knows, and who can have those tools and kind of help lead you through. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's very, it's very powerful because, um, you know, it. What we do at the very beginning of a coaching journey is to create a vision of what you want, and that vision that we create is completely limitless. You know, it's like imagine that money isn't a problem, time isn't a problem. Imagine that you can have anything in the world. You know, and we create this beautiful, amazing vision. And then the whole coaching journey is about getting to that vision or, or, or we create, even if it's not a vision, but we create an identity for yourself. Having completely lost yours, we say, okay, so who do you want to be? Yeah. If you don't know who you are anymore, what would you, a person that you would consider worth being? What are the characteristics that this person has? You know, is it, self-esteem is it confidence is it um you know uh, empathy is it what are those what does she look like what does she wear you know even if you don't feel it yours yet but let's create it first and then what happens is that you're at point a your ideal like desired identity is at point b and when you're walking at each session stuff it comes up that's in the way the little obstacles all the things that have been created by that manipulation and everything they all pop up and what mm-hmm. we do at each session we're just gonna eradicate them one by one and be like okay <laughs> no this is not useful. let's just do that you know let's just take that away let's just throw it away this is another life this mm-hmm. is a different thing that we're creating and we slowly get to that identity to that vision that you want to have it's so beautiful yeah, I love that. So earlier, before we started recording, we were talking about a free download that you have. Will you tell us about that? Yes, sure. Yes, uh, it's on my website and it's called How to Get Over a Narcissist for Good. So it gives you, uh, it, there's a lot in there. So <laughs> it gives you a lot of information on um, what a narcissist is and why narcissistic abuse is so, so dangerous. So when we were talking about the identity, there's a little bit more explanation in depth there. Um, then it explains more in depth the different red flags. And then there's a whole section on actually how to get over one for good. So what does the moving away from a narcissist look like? What are the different options? What is it that you can do? But also, how do you heal? You know, what does the healing journey look like? And obviously, like we said, every every um, single person heals in a different way. And every single person has a different journey. But there are stages that you go through. And that gives you an idea of that as well. So it's, uh, yeah, it's quite, it's quite powerful. If It's actually a good resource. If, you, if you're not sure that that's happening, you can find a lot of information there for sure. Yeah, that's great. That sounds like great information. I can think of so many people I want to send that to already. (laughs) There you go. And of course, read it for myself too. So if they want to work with you, maybe even at at another level, do you have a membership? Do you have something like that they can do use to work with you? Yes, I do. A hundred percent. So this is very, very special to my heart, very close to my heart, because when I was going through my journey, I felt very lonely. So even if I was working with my life coach, I remember that I was working on OCD. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually come to terms with the fact that I was with a narcissist, right? Mm -hmm. And when I realized that in in my head, when I came to that realization, I felt really lonely because I didn't feel like I could talk to my parents. I didn't feel like I could talk to my friends because nobody could understand that deep manipulation that I was going through. And literally Mm -hmm. stuff made me feel like I was crazy, right? So I didn't feel like I could open up to anyone. So what I did was uh, I wanted to create a space where you can actually talk to somebody because they know exactly what it is that you're going through. And this is why I created my survivors membership. I call it my warriors club. And uh, and uh, it, it's that. a space where where we're all all women at very different stages of their healing journeys, 
uh, very different ages, different parts of the world as well. <laughs> so, um, but the common denominator is that if you send a message, if you are having a day, and if you send a message to that group, we have a group chat together. Uh, and if you send a message to that group chat, those people in there 100% know exactly what's going through your mind because they exactly know what that manipulation feels like, what that what that feeling that you get, they know exactly what that is. So what I'm providing is a, a, there's a there's a part of the membership that is a self-learning, um, self-paced learning. So I upload um, a video every month on a different theme. And these are all themes that are related to uh, the healing journey, you know, so we talked about limiting beliefs, we talk about crushing the fears, uh, we've introduced, um, for example, visualiz- next month actually is going to be uh, the power of visualization, how that can really help you through the healing journey, massive work we have done on boundaries as well, how to set them, why is it important, how not to feel guilty about having those boundaries and stuff like that. So that's uploaded once a month and there's usually a workbook with it and a, and a short uh, video. And then once a month, we also do a group coaching call. That's where where the, the juicy stuff happens a little bit more because I do, I, we, talked about, we talk about the theme of the month and then we do coaching exercises and then I usually facilitate a meditation and other things to go a little bit deeper um, in the work. It's a great moment to share, but nobody is forced to share anything. You know, you can say, uh, whatever you feel as little as much or as little as you want and then obviously there's a group chat that I talked about so that we're all in there together and we're all sharing everything that is going on so it's a very special place I'm, I'm very protected yeah good if our interest if our listeners are interested where do they find your warriors club Yes, yeah, so you can go on my website is uh, um, the selfmasterycoach.co.uk and there's a, a button there that will take you to to the to the Warriors Club. Um, one thing that I would also like to say is that a lot of of people who experience toxic relationships go through financial abuse, and uh, it is not that obvious. It is not our first thought, but we do go through it for sure. It doesn't come yeah. at the same. It doesn't come in the same place as emotional abuse and as um, mental abuse. We perceive it in a different way, but I know that it happens to a lot. So the purpose of the membership was to give you access to healing, give you access to self development for a price that is understanding of the fact that a lot of stuff has happened. <laughs> so I want yeah. to really make this kind of help accessible and it's less than a pound a day so it's not even 30 pounds a month so it's I wanted to do this this was one of the things that I have experienced financial abuse as well and um, you know I was in a position where I could afford to go to my coach but sometimes I've had to postpone sessions because I couldn't and I think that that's not right I think that you should be mm-hmm. able to access it no matter what so that's why I've, I've decided to do that as well. Yeah. What a great resource. I think that's awesome. And I think there's going to be a lot of people who truly can use this type of support as well. And even for people who are listening, who may not be in this situation to know that this kind of help is out there so that if they do find someone who is in this situation, they know exactly where to send them to. So I think that's so beneficial. Well, Gloria, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want the listeners to know? I want you to know that nobody has the right to take your essence away. So you defend that with everything that you can and always listen to it. Because if you are listening to this, okay, let's give you this example. If you are listening to this and you have an ounce of doubt that you might be going through a toxic relationship, follow that thought (laughs) yeah please that is your instinct that is your intuition that is the that light that is inside of you that is screaming that is saying please I want to come out I am your Mm -hmm. true self just let me be free so always listen to that nobody has the right to dim your light nobody has the right to take your essence away never ever ever so 
That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) No, No worries. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the Functioning Hot Mess podcast. This has really been a joy, and I know there are going to be so, so many people who benefit from our conversation today. Thank you so, so much for having me. Thank you for the opportunity to spread this message because I really think that toxic relationship at a level they are accepted by society and I think it's really wrong so I'm literally a woman on a mission so thank you (laughs) for having (laughs) me here and for giving me the opportunity to 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 shed some light on this and and to put the word out there I'm very 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 grateful and there you have it guys relationship and self-love coach Gloria Battini. You can find her at www.theselfmasterycoach.co.uk. So I would love for you to look her up and see what kind of goodness she's got out there that could benefit you. And as always, please make sure you share this with someone who maybe needs to hear this conversation as well. And I will be back in your inbox next week.